Welcome to You're Making It Worse. I'm Elliot Glazer. I'm Brent Sullivan. And I'm H. Allen Scott. We're here. We're queer. Meh. Textual healing. This uh, came to our attention, and I've, I've been looking forward to having this conversation. So police have been, police are specifically targeting, targeting gay men in Meridian Hill Park. It's a federal park in D.C., uh, in sex-related sting operations, the Washington Blade recently reported. Um, so apparently, 26 arrests have been made since last August, which were prompted by public complaints about lewd acts that are occurring in the park. Uh, and obviously, they involve charges of disorderly conduct, lewd acts, that that sort of thing. Are the individuals who are being arrested, are they being in, entrapped? Because uh, the way... Uh, the story and and the way the defense attorney for some of these individuals is arguing is that uh, plainclothes officers entice men in Meridian Hill Park for for purportedly consensual sexual activity and then proceed to arrest them. Um, uh, so they're they're flirting with them. So they're flirting with, with them. The idea of this being a consensual thing. Yeah, and then similar to what them. they do with sex workers with prostitution rates. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I. I it's it's I was very torn because I'm 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 largely a believer that um, you know gay people should be held to the same standard as straight people uh, and that you know we we shouldn't if if it's illegal to have sex in a, in, a, yeah. in a bathroom then it should be illegal to have sex in a bathroom for gay people too but it's this is it's a slightly different situation because it's a kind of in, an interesting angle when they aren't setting up cameras outside the bathroom obviously you can't put cameras inside a bathroom they're not waiting for people. Who have engaged in in acts? They're they're uh, seemingly, according to this, sort of going out of their way to flirt with people, taunting them with well, with the the biological, you know, our, our yeah. strongest impulse, which is procreation. Yeah, and then saying, "Well, you know, we could do it right here in this bathroom," and then they arrest. Them. And the defense attorney said it reminded him of. He said it's just he found it disturbing. This guy, uh, John Albanese. He said, I find it disturbing because it's reminiscent of the Stonewall days when gay men were often the target of police discrimination. The tactics used in these cases just fly in the face of proper police work and should be exposed. Yeah, and I think one thing that should be added to this, because I, I agree, it is it is a torn issue. Like, gay people should be treated the same as straight people when it comes to lewd acts um, or, like, anything that is against the law publicly. Right. But one thing that um, the article doesn't really talk too much about, but I think anyone who has visited D.C., knows D.C. very well, knows that D.C. is a very much predominantly African-American community, um, proper. The, the, only a very small part of it are the people who aren't actually living in D.C., who are the white people who come in from constituencies outside of D.C. And this area specifically of D.C. has been historically known for being incredibly diverse. It was one of the most artistically rich, diverse neighborhoods in D.C., where artists, poets, et cetera, black communities, sort of the black renaissance people would come to Washington. Yeah, this park Washington. is called Malcolm, Malcolm X Park. Exactly. It, they would come to Washington, D.C. because this was the neighborhood that was open and accepting because D.C. did suffer from segregation. And this park specifically is in a very African... Of course, D.C. is gentrifying in lots of different ways. And, and this community, I think it's Columbia Hill, Columbia something, is gentrifying in lots of different ways. I have a friend who lives near there. I used to live near there when I lived in D.C. And it is but it is still very predominantly african american now you add that african american into gay men having sex in parks we know that hiv rates among african american women are particularly high it is also high amongst african american men men people of color in general make up the majority of sort of in dc hiv infections and being queer men who have sex with men in African-American Hispanic communities often they aren't as prone to being open and able to have a open homosexual the lifestyle sex yeah, in so the park. At all. they live sort so of like a down down they low live lifestyle. they live on so the down low and they are forced sometimes just like men have been for centuries before this they are forced to do it in spaces where they can where like-minded people meet up and that and that's is, always been the case in in the brambles exactly or yeah and that's sort of the crux of this is that 
if these are predominantly African-American or men of color who are having sex with other men in parks, then are they emblematic of a larger issue of homophobia within certain communities that then the police are using to target, using that homophobia within those communities to target only these people in this park who are having sex in public, when in reality, there's shit happening elsewhere in Washington, D.C., near the White House, in the White House, and yet nobody, police aren't focusing their efforts there. They're focusing their efforts in an area that probably does have a high crime rate, sure. But why this park? I... I, I... I mean, I, I, to play devil's advocate, Larry Craig was arrested for this basically the same thing. No, that was in an a, airport. Yeah, that was yeah. Like an airport bathroom. Like this is this feels like a raid. Yeah, this feels like. I mean, this is clearly an organized yeah. effort that this police department is doing for this park. And, this and I mean, happen- I'm, I'm sorry. Like in the United States right now, police have a really great track record of targeting black people, especially black men, and using them to up their arrest rates so that they say they're fighting crime. Well, I mean, I'm obviously I agree with that sentiment. Um but I don't know. I mean, do, do we do, does that mean we let this park be a park where people go to fuck? Did you guys know when when George Michael got busted mm-hmm. when we were like teenagers or whatever, did you did you have any idea what like actually happened? Yeah. Did you get it cuz I did not get it. I got it. Um that he got busted by a cop because he was in, I guess, a cruisy public oh, bathroom yeah. somewhere, and he, uh, I think, you know, probably like flirted with the guy because he thought he was in, like, a space like this was a cruisy space, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and got busted, and thus the, you know, humiliation, <clears throat> et cetera, et cetera. So, I mean, obviously there are rules, but it does feel like, like the district, like the defense attorney said. You know, it feels like a raid. It reminds him of Stonewall. It feels old. It feels, it feels kind targeted. of archaic and targeted. You know, I, you know. I think this was an interesting example of. I I wonder if a a better way to approach the problem would be what they call hostile architecture, which is like building certain structures, certain ways, or putting up cameras to deter certain behavior. Mm. One example. Um, that people gave is like when you look at a park bench in or like a like a bus stop bench in a city there's usually an armrest in the middle of it but that's not really an armrest it's just designed to keep people from lying down on a yeah. park bench oh. yeah um so examples like the london is full of this where like i guess like hundreds of years ago they used to people would pee in certain areas of the city mm-hmm. so frequently that they built um they they actually designed buildings such that if someone wanted to pee in this corner they would they would put like this imagine like a Hershey Kiss style cement drop, so if you peed on this, if you wanted to pee in that corner, it would roll back onto your legs. Oh, that's that so sense? smart. It's called hostile architecture. Mm. But I wonder if there's if there because I, I I obviously agree that the track record with with police and men of color and gay people is, is certainly problematic. But I also just I don't know if it's fair to say well then this park is where people can. J- are allowed to go and fuck. Yeah. Well, I mean, I will say, like, on a personal level, I think there should be more fucking in public. <laughs> I do. I think... No, I really think this. I think straight, gay... I think people... Where? I, I mean, I don't think there should be, like, fucking on the sidewalk or anything, but I do think that if... If you find a discreet spot in the woods or in a restroom or whatever, and there aren't like, I mean, don't turn it into an orgy. That's when the police should get involved, when it turns into an orgy. But if two dudes, if some dude is fortunate (laughs) enough to get fucking sucked off in a public bathroom, then A, that's a great Wednesday night, and B, God bless them. What if you have to pee? Pee in the other stall. Pee in the other stall. (laughs) Poop in the other stall. It's a good show. Like, I I, I know that's funny and all, but I actually do genuinely think that. I think that if more straight people saw queer sexuality and queer sex in life the way we see straight sex in everyday lives in terms of, you know, I mean, anytime I go to like a straight bar and there's like a dance area and there's that drunk woman and the drunk guy and they're grinding on each other and she has a bar and she has his hand down his pants. Yeah, Yeah, sure. But they're not getting arrested. And these dudes in this park are. And I get that that's a bar, but in reality, her hand is down his pants. I've seen that at straight bars, and it's like they're essentially doing the exact same thing. I've except seen, yeah. she's I've doing seen it at gay bars too. Though. Of course, I've seen it at gay <laughs> bars too. But they're doing the exact same thing, and nobody's getting arrested there. 
I don't know why, but whatever. I do think they both should be able to do it because I I don't always want to see the straight hand down the pants moment, but I support it because I love love and I and I, <laughs> and, and I want and I want straight people to see a dude in a park and a glance getting a blowjob because it's like. God bless him. Good for him. I don't and, know if that would help, though. Yeah, I don't know if that would help our case. I don't know. I want it to happen more. I see a lot of times. It just sounds like you want to get blowjobs in parks. No, I don't. But when I, when I like in San Francisco, at, What's I think the park? At, at Golden Gate Park, I saw someone getting a blowjob once. I remember I was walking through the park because we were working there for AIDS Walk. And I just remember thinking, good for him. What if you saw, wait, what, would you have the same reaction if you saw like a lady getting eaten out? Yes, I would. <laughs> yes, I would. You would. I, because I think it's just so. <laughs> Beautiful. I think it's wonderful. I, I'm I, so happy for them. I love the idea of you being like <laughs> applauding I am. a girl getting in out. I um I guess I wonder what what the it it does feel archaic and whether or not it's like they're targeting men of color, which is could very easily be the case. It you know, I think of like the brambles or I think of there's park or, or Golden Gate Park and that's that's not a thing I think our generation really was a part of per se. It feels like it was before, right? Like before us, like thinking yeah. of that terrifying movie Cruising. I think it's still happening in non-urban that, areas. See, I was surprised by this because I was like, I didn't think that that was much of a thing anymore because of apps and stuff. And it, it, it is, I mean, it is very scary it's to also think like, that you're in a cru- what is known as a cruisy area and then cops are coming for you. Yeah, yeah of course. It's scary. I don't know. It's, it's, in, it's, it's tough. I mean, should I feel bad? Like, should I feel bad for someone that can't come to terms with their sexuality? Right. So they'd go to a park. So they such that they they feel their only outlet. They they can't do something. They can't bring someone back to their place when their of course wife yeah. or girlfriend is gone. They can't rent a hotel room. Obviously, that's pricey. So their only outlet is fucking in a park. Uh, should I? Is, well, is that my is job like, to feel I don't bad? Think you for need that to feel person? bad, but I think you need to empathize with the reasons why they—that is their only option. Uh, it's, it's, and then, what can we do then, perhaps as a society, to prevent that from being their only option? Well, I, res- with- I, I respect that. That's an, uh, that's a discussion to be had. But like to to combat toxic masculinity, uh, you know, right now won't won't solve the problem of the a park that has. I guess we'll, we'll say presumably more people than most parks fucking. Yeah. Uh, I, whether that's a fallacy or not, who knows? I think but. to to like wrap up your point and your point too, I think the idea is like, should police care enough about guys meeting in a park to get off? Should they care enough to do to do raids on them and arrest them? Or should it just be like, who, like there's bigger fish to or, fry? Or is there another way to deal with this problem than luring people with the enticement of sex into yeah. a bathroom to it just arrest seems like them. A way, and also like, don't like, arrest them. Give them a give them a ticket and after so many tickets whatever like they're we, they're we're so quick to and also I wonder if it was two young straight college kids would they get arrested or would they get to stop it would go they, would, away and would there be a raid exactly like I them. wonder where we would go with that it's such and a waste of I mean, it's a waste, me, it's of like a waste of so time money resources, resources and like, yeah what like who ca- I just don't know why anybody cares that much go rest the dude in the White House <laughs> not even joking one of my favorite jokes I ever saw you tell you, I only saw you do it once so you might have to remember rem- refresh my memory of it but you told a joke about wedding cake. Yes. Mm. How did that? How did that go again? <laughs> well, it, it was, was so perfect. Um, thank you. It was. I had two jokes that were complaints about the wedding of my friend, noted feminist Lindy West, um, which was a personal <laughs> attack. Um, but th- there was no cake at her wedding. That's right. Um, and I was very mad about it. There actually was a very small cake that was just for her and her husband. What? And Excuse was, me. Wow. And they had other snacks and stuff. But the, were my, there dessert snacks? Yes. But the argument, and they had a lovely meal. They had a really yeah, lovely sure. meal. Um, but the argument was essentially that um, the 
acceptability of consuming cake is inversely proportional to the amount of ritual involved. So, like, if you are eating cake because it is Wednesday, that is wrong. If you are eating cake because you are celebrating all of the February birthdays at work, maybe that's okay. Maybe that's the beginning of a problem. But if you go to watch two people declare their undying love to each other, you're allowed to eat one piece of white cake and no one can look askance at you. And I was denied that. (laughs) Oh, my God. Wait. So, wait. uh, We're with Guy Branham. Hello. Comedian. Great does everything. everything. Good to be here. Wait, so what what did you ask if there was snack desserts? Yeah, like what kind of desserts were there? I mean, I believe... Cupcakes, probably. Bullshit cupcakes. It w- there was like a, a lovely brown butter um, uh, Rice Krispie treats. No, that sounds pretty good. That is not... That's, a, little, that's, that's not a Disney cake. treat. That's, that's not, not a wedding there were treat. Little, there were little brownies. <laughs> like it was very cute and charming and delicious or like... Moshe Kasher and Natasha Legero had like lovely mini donuts at their wedding. That's but it, yeah. it's my, not my cake. Brother, I went to five weddings that summer, yeah. and none of them had cake. My brother and his and sister in law they had uh, hundreds of candy bars. How would you have felt about that? No, yeah. it's still not. It's still not you a cake. Can buy I, it loved, at I loved. See, I loved it. No, but, but guys talking that. about the 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 presentation of cake to you. Yeah, the, and 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 also just sort <laughs> of. I mean, the, I think. Yeah, the, the wedding cake usually sucks no. too. No, it the doesn't. The guilt-freeness. Yes, does. I mean, no, it doesn't. They can be mediocre. I like it as an experience. But cake let me, is hard to suck. L- let me say, I think that we exist in like a unique time in history. Like gay weddings, we're inventing what the rules are, and yeah. I deeply hate that we are just doing what they do. And so, in that situation, if if we do have cultural trends a brewing that we are doing something else, if we as a people mandated pie or something like that, I would be. <laughs> Fine. It would be a fucking mess, though. It would be. Um, but Very I, sloppy. I do want to figure out what like our tropes of weddings are. That's actually interesting. I never, I never considered that. What, like, we are, we are so forging new. ahead. Yeah. With with gay weddings. Uh, well, and only also five years deep or so. We remake everything. Like yeah. we literally recreate everything. But this is the one thing where we're still on best behavior, <laughs> and it's yeah, like yeah. fucking Edison bulbs and mason yeah. jars. Yeah. And I have right. my patience. Oh my at my, at my, you were at my buddy's wedding, Matt and Brian, mm-hmm. and they for their wedding dessert had um, banana pudding, which I love, and <gasps> yes. they came in little mason jars Love. that people could take home with them mm. which in retrospect is like a cute yeah. idea but you're right it's not fucking cake I mean the thing is, is I wouldn't sounds... have argued with that yeah, yeah. I would have that felt sounds rich like I had a presentation and a moment yes you know Who's <laughs> there only was a moment because they were they, people that were given to them it's like yeah. take this home with you what would you do at your wedding Oh, I mean, that con- that's very speculative. I mean, that, there are a lot of things that have to happen there. But I have um, always, um, my friend Lang Fisher is a uh, respected writer here in Los Angeles, and she performed Gabe Liedman's wedding, mm. and I insisted that she should perform it uh, topless, holding two <laughs> snakes. Um, like this one sort of like ancient Greek statue of uh, Athena, or maybe it's like an Etruscan Nerva or something like that but I was like that's a fun I want the, like a fun evocation of female power at yeah. a gay wedding would yeah. be fun um, sure. but cake wise I don't know I, I, I like- think cake is the one tradition that we should take from straights like cake is so good I, I disagree that sometimes cake sucks Me I don't too. think cake ever I, sucks I love wedding even cakes. the shittiest cake I still will eat that's I love a wedding I, I'm, not, yeah. I'm not saying I'm barfing it out but I've had cake <laughs> That you're like, this is so generic. Do you mean wedding cakes? Oh, yeah, w- wedding cakes in particular. But I've even had store-bought... In fact, in fact, I will say cake is one of the few desserts that I think is worse from a store, and it's almost always better homemade. Oh, that's an or, interesting no. point. That's a, a very interesting point. I will say homemade cakes are good, but I also say when they have the little plastic containers at like a Ralph's of yes. sheet cake, that's magical. Magical. That's, yes. Magical. Believable. Costco sheet cake is the best thing ever. Yeah. You want a, a funny thing about Alan is that his he grew up with a mother who was a baker. Yeah. Oh, really? She had oh, a bakery. Yeah. I didn't that. Yeah. You didn't know this? This is, my favorite, this is my favorite thing about Alan. He had a mother, a lovely mother, who was a baker, and for his birthday, (laughs) how old are you? My entire childhood. 
he required that she get him a ba- a cake that she didn't bake. That's oh. wonderful. Oh, yeah, right. that's wonderful. Because the thing is, is you know your mom's tricks. Yeah, like you I know was it all. all. Like my mom is is a great cook, and she would do wonderful things for us. But I remember coming to a point when I was like eight or nine, where I was like, "Not you today, bitch." <laughs> there was just something about like my mom's cakes, and all my friends were having the store bought sheet cakes that were just like make your teeth fall out good, yes. you know. Yeah. And that's all I wanted was to be like everyone else. Mm. I, 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 to me, it boils down to specifically the icing. I find the icing in store-bought sheet cakes is so... That's my favorite part. It's very so, sweet. Yeah. It's so sweet, sometimes too sweet, but more importantly, it's usually too light and fluffy with not the proper balance of like richness to sweetness. Do you guys like a fondant? No. They're disgusting. I, yeah. I love a I fondant. I really? I've only seen it on the Food Network. I only like it if it's like in the shape of something that I can then take off a cake that's accurately accurately oh, frosted. Like You're the guy that like eats the like the, the, the shit cup. on a cake. I love it. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, it's like chud. I think it is <laughs> disgusting and terrible, except in a, uh, a Swedish princess cake situation. That's what I was yeah. going to say. When I'm very excited for that, it. What's yes. Swedish? Bring me the moment. The princess show. cake. The stuff I always get at the alcove. The purple cake. <laughs> oh. That's yeah. the best fondant. Yeah. Purple or green? There's, fondant, a, there's an though, ad is right now that literally they give the their mom, the, like these girls give their mom princess toast, and she's like, "What the hell is that?" And I'm oh, like, yeah, "Yeah, what the hell is that? What is that? Oh, maybe it's is it like unicorn toast? Well, it's like yeah, yeah they knew it for like her birthday or something. Yeah. Like they may, I don't know. I've seen I that think, commercial. Yeah. There feels, I, feel, I mean, there is like a unicorn market now on food. Right, where it's like unicorn grilled cheese, where it's like all these different colors and unicorn yeah. cupcakes and cakes. There's where it's also, like, for yeah. kids, there's unicorn farts and it's cotton candy. That's disgusting. Oh, really? Yeah. That's oh. too much. That's, Taking it to, I think you know who adorable. has really good cake that you wouldn't imagine has good cake? Mm. Jack in the Box. Huh. Really? They have a good, like, chocolate, like, like cake that you cut into and it melts in the middle. And wow. it's just so, ooh, it's good. I want to ask you a question. Yeah, I love it. If you don't mind me asking this. I remember once talking to you about. I remember talking to you once about Grinder. I was talking about how frustrating it was, and and you were like, "I love Grinder because all I ever do is I open it up, and that's all I have to do to get laid." And I was like, "How does that work?" And you said, "Brent, I'm a fetish." <laughs> did I say that to you? You did. You said you said Brent. I'm a fetish. I mean, I would never say that that is that easy, but I would I would say that like the people who are in the market for me know that they are in the market for me. Uh, I have previously asserted that no one has sex with me who doesn't want to be a little bit scared in the process. <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, the thing is, is that's not always what I'm in the market for. I'm, I mean, th- that sounds very blasé for me, um, but maybe I was just taking a stand uh, to be confrontational with you. <laughs> yeah, that probably, sounds like probably me. probably it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, the thing is, is I think it can be, because I mean... I live in the middle of West Hollywood, which is, it is the Grand Banks of Grinder. Yes, like, right. you can just pull up nets full of fish in any direction. <laughs> but it's also, you know, there are a, a lot of people who, uh, you know, have a lot to offer there, and mm-hmm. I don't necessarily have as much to offer to many of them. But there's always somebody who's, yeah. you know, um, yeah. like, that's my market. Do you find Grinder as... Uh, um, toxic? Toxic or confusing or not... Or, or does it bring you agita the way it does me and and Brent? Well, I I think you just have to accept at some point in time that like, we were all raised to hate ourselves. And so we love to splash that hatred onto other people. (laughs) Yes. And just kind of accept that. And I think that, um, you know, the... (laughs) We've gotten very chilled out and like better as a people in my 20 years in the game, nearly 20 years Mm -hmm. now. And like, however rude someone might be now or dismissive or whatever, it's not as bad as the things that were getting said to me on gay.com in Minneapolis in 2000, 2000. Yeah. Um, And so it's just sort of, I have to accept that. And like, everybody. I mean, the best thing to me about Los Angeles is that, like, you get to watch super hot people squirm and hate themselves in yeah. a way that if they were in, like, Minneapolis or Seattle, they would be able to just be like, yeah, I'm the best. Right. And it's like, here, no, you're not. Like, yeah. no yeah. one is. There is yeah. something fun about L.A. when you see someone. There are so many good-looking people. 
And I mean, really, you see these people, you're like, this is the stereotype of LA. This guy has to be a runway model, but he's next to another guy who's a runway model. Yeah. And mm-hmm. of course, it makes me feel better because I, I don't fit in that at all. And well, I would. Yeah, I mean, you have like, a wonderful little torso, yeah, Brent. I have complimented thank it you. on many occasions. Thank you. But like, you yeah, wear a polo so- like nobody's business. Oh, you're a good man. You're a good man. But yeah, there's something kind of cathartic. Red. Yeah, something kind of <laughs> cathartic about that. About like people, hot guys from small towns move to L.A. to feel little. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, is there is that interesting mix of like. Uh, dumb people with nothing to offer the world except for their hotness who moved here because that was the only answer and they will consider themselves actors for t- seven years and then go into real estate <laughs> and then like um, ah. my friend Matt uh, Wilkes who is like uh, uh-huh. you know in yeah. a relationship with that one Olympic skier um, well and, no longer oh they broke up yeah <laughs> I'm clearly not that great of a it, friend yeah. <laughs> um, well I did learn that they were in a relationship from like a a clickable Yahoo thing. So <laughs> right. it's best that I learned that they had broken up through believe. a podcast. <laughs> yes. But like when he first moved to uh, West Hollywood, he was talking about how uncomfortable he was wearing a tank top. Oh, and I was boy. like, You were Spider Man on Broadway. <laughs> Shut up. Um, but it made me feel much better. Yeah. 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 Guy, are you like me? Are you the kind of person, do you, what is. Because I've known you for years. Yes. And I, th- I actually think you and I are similar in a lot of ways. Um, do you dream of relationships? Do you want to get married? Obviously, you made a joke earlier about like yes. not getting married. Like, what is like? I am in a relationship for the first time in my life. Oh, wow. Nice. Uh, Great. Cool. Congrats. And so it, it's still, I don't know what I'm doing at it. Yeah. And it is nice as it is. You and the thing is, he's like, he's on the other side of the country. It is not many of the things that many people would expect out of a relationship um mm-hmm. but it works for me for now yeah. and that's lovely but when it does come to like the notion of gay marriage came into my world so late <laughs> right that it really is like can we do that like yeah. i thought we were just trying to like not be arrested or like hated yeah. by society. Yeah. yeah, you know, like you can. It's not uh, be denied housing, right? Hospital visitation rights. And there are some people like um, my my friend Casey, Casey Schreiner from Talk Show the Game Show. He came out of the closet and two dates later was in a relationship for three years and yeah. then broke uh. up with that guy and has been in a relationship with the two dates later for now seven years. Um, you know, some some people just like internalized how relationships work. Yeah. And the thing is, I think as comedians, we tend to be very solitary. Yeah. It is a way of life that yeah. people don't understand and you have to go off and do your own thing a lot. It would be neat, but I don't consider it like requisite to a sat- to a satisfactory life. Yeah, I've never seen marriage as a like a, a direction I'm going towards. And I, you know, I've been in a relationship with Michael for now almost two years now, and like I, it's just it. Does, I don't care about it. It's like not something that I think we need to do. Well, you were one of the first friends of mine who like lived with a boyfriend. Yeah. Um and I was like that's I even back then I was so impressed. Yeah, that I had mean, done that in college and I was just yeah. very impressed by how adult it, that was. I think it's a cheaper rent. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well no, I maintain uh all gay men in San Francisco who are married are mm. not monogamous. They just can only afford a one bedroom together. Yeah. You oh, know. True. Brother. I true. um I think that's really interesting because I I've had the same thought a million times. I'm very solitary. I've never leaned towards relationships. I go on lots of dates. I don't envision myself dying alone, although it's certainly in the it's possible. I think it could be in the cards. But the my biggest challenge has always been will I be okay with the societal pressure that when I hit a certain age that I did it wrong. Uh-huh. Like mm. it, at that point will it be crushing? Let's say I hit 50, 55 in 30 years from now. Um, let's say I hit those ages and I'm still single and, and people start to look at you like, oh, something went wrong. And I know something didn't go wrong. At least I, I don't think. And is uh, it just you thinking the thinking that? And then and then it could be me thinking. I'm th- then then again, there also could be something quite wrong with me. Well, so, so, something that I'm... But like, that's something I've been like really thinking about is like is the way you just articulated it very perfectly. Where you just... I was going to say something that bums me out is... Um, on Drag Race, whenever there's a queen who's like, or a contestant who's like, 
in their late 30s or early 40s, they treat them like they're ancient. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. it's very true. And I hadn't noticed that until, like, I guess, sh- sugarcane. Uh, yeah, it's very much a th- I mean, yeah, it's very much a thing. It really bummed me out. Well, <laughs> to Brent's point about yeah, a, sure. you know turning a certain age. I mean, and, age in the gay world well, is very I, yeah. much a thing. Any yeah. group of twenty-year-olds are going to look at a thirty-eight-year-old as like the ancient person. I, yeah. I, I think that's probably consistent. I was in a I was in a writers' room for the first time where like there were a bunch of very young people, and it was really weird being. It's weird feeling like markedly older in that way. Yeah. Uh, but I think there are two points of as time goes on, our divergence from the life of like the heterosexuals amongst us mm-hmm. gets like further because, th- and there are these people who sort of like create gay versions of heterosexual life Mm -hmm. and I do think it's weird when like some uh, respected executive producer on Will and Grace pays massive amounts of money to be able to have the semblance of like child rearing and everything like that Um, (laughs) but it's like that's not what we do like I mean I don't think that gay relationships exist to create children they exist to create volumes of poetry Um, (laughs) but there's also just the thing of like the gay men who were 10 years older than me died. Yeah. You know, it was yeah. like, there just weren't like, I, and, I, I, yeah. Yeah, I've said, I, that, I, I've said that a lot that like our, I mean, we're all in our 30s. Our like immediate generation. I am in my 40s. Get it, girl. <laughs> uh, our immediate generation before us, the people that most people would look to for leadership, advice, guidance, a lot of them died. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I worked at AIDS Walk, or a, business, a, a company that produced AIDS Walks, and a lot of the staff were gay men who survived, who yeah. survived during the 80s and all of that. And watching them navigate life single in their 50s, um, there was a lot of PTSD from that time. And yeah. there was a lot of figuring out what direction to go and where to go and how they exist and how we exist with this younger generation who doesn't have these hangups that they did. Mm. And it's really sobering. It's really, there is a lot of like internal queer PTSD that happened because of AIDS. Mm. And I think there's repercussions from that. We're feeling it. I, I remember one one night I was at Metropolitan Gay Bar in Brooklyn. I was with Kevin Allison, a friend, mm-hmm. podcast, Former everyone podcast guest, yeah. And he had a friend there and Kevin left and I was just chatting with his friend who was, who was probably maybe late 40s at the time, maybe early 50s or something. And it was just something I had never for some reason, I'd never contextualized it this way, which is I knew obviously that HIV was a pandemic and still is. Uh, but I, he was the first person to say every single friend of mine from a five-year period of my life died. Yeah. And yeah, I, he was like, it impacted my intimacy for a decade I, afterwards. I, I worked for, uh, I worked for a, a guy who um, <clears throat> he lived, he, he, you know, at that, uh, he was a showrunner and he was in his probably early 50s, and he was like, I didn't have sex for 10 years. Yeah. And then, in, you know, and then following that, as when I knew him, he was rich, he had a very handsome boyfriend, they had a dog, and it's just so fascinating to see, like, the PTSD that comes from that and then trying to retrofit heteronormative behavior into his life. Well, there's there's the weird way that your options are uh, be very, very good at your job or join a men's choir. Like, <laughs> and, I, and I do that's think that there true. is this way, oh my God, that's like, so that there is this inclination to, like, overcommit to your professional life because yeah. that's the thing where you can have sort of, like, visible, like, success and normalcy. But, like, Kevin Allison and Scott Thompson, like there aren't that many gay guys like the, that mm-hmm. age who are around. Yeah. And then there aren't that many gay guys in the thing that we do. And so the times that I've been able to be at a bar with Kevin Allison or Scott Thompson is like truly magnificent because yeah. yeah. bitches have some stories. Yeah. And also bitches have some perspectives yeah. that a lot of people are ready to like call out and be yeah. aggressive towards. And it's like they went through a war. Right. You don't mm-hmm. get to talk to them. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is wild. I mean, I even to this day I'm like sometimes I just want to shake younger people shake younger gay people by the neck and well, just be like read a book well I mean yeah I get that I, I, I feel the same way and, and I mean and Michael's like almost 10 years younger than I am and a lot of his friend group is in thank you is also in that in that age group mm. and I relate to them but I also recognize that like 
they're doing exactly what I was doing just in a different way 10 years ago in right. that like just figuring out how to exist in a world that tells you you're supposed to be something that you're not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how do you respond to that with the tools that you have at your hand? And these, you know, 20 some year olds have in the internet. They've grew up with social media and they have that since they were very very young. We didn't have that. So they have that as a resource to be gay. We didn't quite get that early on. And so mm-hmm. it's all, even though, yeah, read a book, you get frustrated. It's also like, no, don't read a book. Continue exactly doing what you're doing <laughs> because like in 10 years time, you're probably going to be awesome. Yeah. I just mean, when I say read a book, I mean like just know who came, know who died Yeah, mm-hmm. and just know know what came before you. That's mm-hmm. it. I, yeah. I, I, you know, That's why they listen to podcasts now yes. called You're yeah, Making right. It Worse. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone here watching Love Island UK? <laughs> oh no! Oh, I've watched like one episode, but I, didn't I mean, get into it. it's Elliot. It's the single finest program on television. <laughs> no, it's just the hottest straight men, and then half the hottest straight men, uh, straight women, and half uh, uh, plastic surgery monsters <laughs> dropped into a perfect space to fucking fight. Uh. Um, it's are the men in that UK way like, t- like? Tanned and waxed. Yes, yeah. I can't. Really, no taste for that. What's that? Sussex, east of Sus- west of Geordie Sussex. Shore. What's that show that, that men were like? That it was a reality. The only way show. is Essex. The only way yeah. is Essex. Essex. Thank you. What a show. Yeah. It's because yeah. it's like because it's like it, they look to me like the guys I grew up with on like like on Long Island. Well, it is. I don't understand in a very deep way. I don't understand Long Island. It makes no sense to me. <laughs> well, I couldn't try to explain it to you. I only either. barely understand uh, New Jersey. Um, but do you know Matt Rogers, right? Yeah, of course. Like, Matt was so deeply scarred by yes. the masculinity of that place. Correct. But I think he has just sort of, like, a nostalgic taste for... Um, it's weird, because these people are, like, your sexual object and tormentors, tormentors at the same that's time. right. Yes, it was so Yeah, but now crazy. we have, like, straight dudes who recognize that, you know, because as gay acceptance has grown, these straight dudes are all like... Oh, now on Instagram, if I do this, gay yep. dudes will like it, it and spread it. And you have straight dudes, all, like in these moments, in mm-hmm. these shows and stuff, being like, "I'm gonna get that queer vote," yeah. you know? Yep. And because they know they can, will the Nick Jonas, over the it. Nick Jonas vote. Yes. It's one of the most fascinating phenomenons for me is watching people on Instagram, YouTube, who either uh, sort of uh, genuinely don't know that they're doing it. Or they're they're baiting gay people into liking them. The, my mm. favorite are I watch a lot of workout vids on YouTube, and uh, <laughs> and guys will have tens of thousands of viewers, and they they genuinely think we're tuning in. They're working out shirtless. They think we're tuning in because we're curious about his right. diet. Yeah. Or they'll put their yeah. or they'll put their CrossFit workout with the right. reps, and it's like nobody, yeah. nobody's reading is that. tuning in. Yeah. I, I legitimately think they just don't have anything else to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And also learning about the like discipline and dreams <laughs> of the guys who uh-huh. do workout videos on YouTube yeah. is fascinating to me yeah. because it's just like, who are these very different people from me? Yes. Yeah. And, but yeah. also on top of that, who's watching and like taking notes? Yeah. Even, right. even in their dream where it's look like re- other yeah. guys that look like them are taking no- It's like, that's- My favorite. What? Where do you- if you read the comments, it's, <laughs> it's always like guys in their 50s to like 70s and it'll have like you know like the, their face, yeah. and it'll be like show your legs or <laughs> looking great, Ken. And you're like, how does Ken not know that these guys aren't going to the gym? Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> I actually, to me, it is sadder when you have the guys in fifties to seventies who are like, <laughs> uh, like. Uh, super athletic, brah, or in some way yeah, trying yeah. to like great perf- gains, brah, perform normalcy <laughs> yeah. so that he doesn't understand what's going on. I mean, just be, be who you are. Just be who yeah. you are. <laughs> also, show your legs. You know? yeah. <laughs> if but, that's your thing. Before you go, I just have one. We, we, Alan and I were talking about this. Brent doesn't care, but we were talking about this thing earlier today. I'm just curious your thoughts on this. Um, so they announced the the cast for Dancing with the Stars, which is like, yes. who? Okay, I it's guess Dancing that's... with the people in entertainment, <laughs> right? Yeah. And so they put Sean Spicer on the show, which is like, yeah. of course they did. And the guy from Queer Eye, Karamo Brown, Karamo Brown, 
I th- he said in an interview something like he's he's like really nice and he seems like a sweet guy and I'm he was like to doing a red carpet chat where he was just like you know I know it's weird that the guy from Queer Eye and Sean Spicer are getting along but he's a nice guy he's a really sweet guy and then queer sort of Twitter and social media went insane mm-hmm. talking about how how could he stand there and like try to be on something a that's normalizing the Trump administration sort of lying politics but also um, how could you say he's a nice guy and yet be this out queer person fighting the Trump administration's policies when in reality it's like you're just doing this for the money dude let's be real celebrity (laughs) money that's why you're doing that and then he then responded to people by blocking sort of like these prominent LGBT voices on Twitter and writers and stuff who criticized him that was the surprise and he fought back back at them he fought back at them saying like I have done more than your dumb ass uh, for people of color and queer people in the community and you're just doing this for attention when when it's like come on dude you're on a show called Queer Eye, and you're on now Dancing with the Stars with Sean Spicer. Yeah. Who's doing what for attention? <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, but right. what do you think yeah, about Yeah, just curious what you think. I think we pay the people on Queer Eye to be um, uh, not dangerous in any way. That they are uh, pet homosexuals who prove their value <laughs> to straight people by providing goods and services. Pet homosexuals um, is perfect. Funny. And the thing is, is like... Good for Jonathan Van Ness for how yeah. much he's legitimately exploded. You know, and and like changed talk, the narrative. Talk shit and and tried to make people think about things that matter without feeling the need to moderate or modulate his presentation exactly. of gender or personality. <clears throat> I like that he is through who he is. Um, I, like I do think this is a yelling time when we are always telling yeah, other right. people what they did not do enough of. <laughs> yes. um, and it, it's really hard because it is a situation of like, this dude just signed up for Dancing with the Stars. He doesn't have casting power on Dancing with the Stars. Right. Yeah. Like, do you want him to quit? Like, are, would you do that yourself is always the, I mean, the thing is, is like, let us all look around ourselves and look at the things that we are complicit in. If nothing else, if you live in the United States, you live on land that was stolen from somebody else mm-hmm. and you have the opportunity to leave like yeah. and, and I'm not saying like go back where you came from I'm literally saying like there you are benef- you don't have to put up with it you are you are profiting from like uh, theft in a number of ways and, and I murder uh, yes and I don't think uh, like you you have to do something that ridiculous you just need to be aware that like we're all walking a dangerous mm-hmm. path and, and trying to do the best stuff but it's also like as Jews, I think you roll it through your head of like, you know, um, would I have been creeped out by a Jew being on Dancing with the Stars with like Goebbels's wife or something like that? And the answer is I sure as fuck yeah. would. And there's yeah. always that privilege of because we are in entertainment and have nice lives that these people are going to treat us just as people and not dismiss us the way that they they can other people like right now people are being rounded up and put in cages like um and literal cages yeah the united states and i think that like breaking shit down does does need to happen and would be Mm -hmm. a good thing but i think it's hard to point at someone else yeah and say you're not doing enough because I, i i always think you should be looking back at yourself, except in egregious situations. Like, I mean, sort of the corollary is, fuck those dudes who are hanging around with uh, with Aaron Schock. Yeah. Like, I have no I have no sympathy for the people who get dragged for Instagramming with Aaron Schock because mm-hmm. it's like, oh, look at us. We are part of the good abs club. And it's like, you know, he, he did lots of terrible stuff yeah. and yeah. should know better. Um. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Those the are irony is that. that Tom Bergeron, the host of Dancing with the Stars, didn't put want out... anyone from Trump administration. On. Yeah, he put out like yeah. a very like or strong... no any Democrat or Republican actually. Right, but he put out a very strongly worded statement without actually being too antagonistic, but but voicing his dis- disdain, which I thought was pretty cool. Well, yeah. and and so did so did Brown as well for the new season of Queer Eye. He went to producers and said, we don't want to make this because in the first season they famously did like a Trump yeah. thing or something. I, I don't watch the show because the whole concept of the show pisses me off. Pet gays? Um, no, I just, I, I get, I'm really angry that there isn't a trans person on Queer Eye. I'm uh, really angry about that. Okay, the, the fact that we did it this time and there were no women yeah, or trans exactly. people. It pisses me off. When fucking Kristen Kish exists 
and would be so much better than Antony is. And also, let's be clear, I am blocked by Antony. Yeah. And I Good for you. Alan hates earned him. that. Hates him. His, um, his sleepy time gummies. I, he, Sleep like, forever! Sorry, I don't mean that. Um, <laughs> he, he is perfectly useless. Um, and, I, and I do think there is this... We're a different kind of minority because we're like related to straight people, and we're used to we're used to safety through docility. Yeah, and someone like um, Anthony, who's just giving straight people everything that they want. Mm-hmm. Oh, look at the pretty little gay boy! Yeah. And you get to pet him, and he'll never say anything that is bad to you. Yeah, like it's yeah. just fuck you, fuck you. It's also it's interesting you say that because we are of of sort of all marginalized communities, oftentimes a minority group is defined and impacted in a, in a larger sense by like socioeconomic norms and like certain things that they're, they're regularly in that area of sort of economics. Whereas with gay people, because class is such an important thing in terms of where you stand in society and how you interact with people, gay people, even though it's a marginalized community, they make up from the lowest to the highest, crazy amounts of class differences, which I think creates this fucked up conversation that people can't relate to any, like gays can't actually relate with other queer people oftentimes because it's like, we have this class system behind yeah. us. But, but I also think there's a cool way that we do transcend that stuff in, in ways that other people don't. Mm-hmm. I'm currently watching Four Weddings and a Funeral on Hulu, oh. and they have a very nice interracial, um, cross-generational, relate like cross-class gay relationship going on in, in a way that I think is a thing that does happen more with That's us. That's interesting, yeah. Because we only have so many bars, you yeah, know? We, yeah. we can't segregate ourselves that much. But about, like, a point you were making about the Bergeron and the, the politics of it all, of, I'm so fucking tired of people who are in power and are actively holding us back the minute they leave power then being all chill. I don't yeah. want to hear that Dick Cheney believes in gay marriage now. <laughs> yeah. I don't fucking want to hear that the dude who argued Bush v. Gore is fighting. I don't I don't want him representing like gay people in front of the Supreme Court. Fuck you, dude. I don't want- when you had power you didn't do anything for us. Yeah. And, I don't, and I don't want Sean, to see Sean Spicer dancing. I, yeah. I mean, seriously, I, don't mean, yeah. I, don't, I mean, like, I, he doesn't he doesn't deserve to, like, He's dance. not a star. Yeah. What defines a star these days? Oh. Sean Spicer, apparently. Like, he's, he ain't spicing me up. Guy, thank you so much for doing the podcast. <laughs> thank you for having me. You were the best. <laughs> and another thing. So a thing, a term that people talk about now that I feel like I see a lot is self-care, the term of self-care. Mm. And I wonder, do you guys have self, self-care self routines? Now this, this, was, this was mental self-care, correct? Um, no, self-care is really refers to like what you do, sure, mentally, of course, yeah. but also really like how you treat yourself mentally and physically and whatever resources you use to care for yourself, care for your... Yeah, um, your overall well-being. Yeah, yeah, it's like when you take a step back, and sure, it can be something that is not necessarily mental, but it does give you right. a mental relaxation right. that then offers you some solace. Right. Do you right. have self-care you know? routines? My, my, the only thing I do, and it works, it works like a charm, I go to the gym. If mm-hmm. I don't, if I skip the gym for more than a week, I start crying at the drop of a hat. I become really? super emotional. I, I always tell the story, I was on a flight, I'd skipped the gym for like 10 days once, because I was doing some shows, I was on a flight back from New York to L.A., I was watching the Emmys live on the, like the TV, <laughs> and they, they came to the death montage when they go through all the people who died the year before, and I cried so hard wow. that the person woman next to me was like, are you okay? Oh. And I was like, what is wrong with me? Why am I crying so hard? And I realized it was because I hadn't gone to the gym, and then like mm. the next day I went in the morning, and I Instantly felt better. That's that's insane. Yeah. So that's it's basically the only thing. And drinking. I like drinking. <laughs> that's not self-care. <laughs> no, but I mean, drinking helps. Yeah. Sometimes it's nice. It gives you like a, it's like a way to kind of. I think it can view be. View the world I mean, a little I don't think you necessarily mean like drinking to like get excess. drunk. Right, right. Yeah. That's, yeah, I guess that's different. You treat yourself to a uh, drink. Or alcoholism. That's my self-care. Yeah. <laughs> do you, have, you have self-care. I do. I do. I, um, I like right now, for example, I have this tooth issue happening that. During chemo, I lost a lot of teeth, and then I had implants, and one of the implants is fucked up, and it's a huge trigger for me and all that. And it's been a really anxious past few weeks, really, really anxious. And so a lot of times I, you know, I find 
my self-care is reading, which is so ridiculous because I do it all the time. But I do find if I get really anxious and confused and overwhelmed and I don't know what's going on, if I just sit down and read a book, it like brings me back to a centered place. Oh, wow. I sound so white and dumb. You can focus yeah. on it? Um, I can. Yeah. It does because it, it allows yeah, me. I can't focus. It allows me to escape upset. in a way that like other things don't because I get distracted from other with other things. Like if yeah. I'm watching a TV show or if I'm out shopping or whatever, I get distracted and I start obsessing over the thing that I'm anxious about. And so reading somehow brings me back into that moment of just sort of like you're just you and your brain and the story. Uh-huh. That's good. Yeah. And the Golden Girls, no? Yes or no? Uh, that's a constant self-care. Yeah, that's part of my self-care. That's just, that's always there, though. Yeah, for me, self-care uh, is... Uh, video games. I have. Oh, that's, I oh, that's right. You bought a you Wii. Video games. Yeah, and I play video games that are meant for the youngest of children. <laughs> and really, Kirby, Super Smash, Mario, Yoshi. He's a gamer. Yeah. It brings me. It brings me so much. It it relaxes me. Yeah. And it I, gives me that focus that books do for you. I really have <laughs> to laughing, love a like, game. Oh my I God. really have to love a game for it to be meaningful. I haven't had a game in my life in like three or four years that I've given two shits about and it's, it's a bummer because I love when I get into like an app on my phone but I just I'm, I really have to like be like oh this game is great this yeah. game is so fun and yeah, the I game, had one. the gaming element of it is like it's not that the game means anything to me it's that it's like yeah. it, it focuses me on something so silly yeah. but it's great and I will say the Golden Girls I mean self care really... really is about focus yeah. it's about taking your focus away from everything else that is distracting you and maybe giving you stress and focusing on that one thing that brings you joy yeah, yeah. booze booze <laughs> for me I, I mean I also consider sound true crime true crime <laughs> there is something there is something about true crime that's so odd and yeah. that it is oddly soothing you're like it is what what is it about hearing a story about this guy getting like ripped to pieces or something yeah well that's uh, my favorite thing or, about, or someone disappear I, I go to sleep to true crime. that's my favorite thing about you two and michael as well the the three of you guys find such soothing <laughs> you find such soothing comfort in the most like violent gory oh, it's details. funny michael makes me try i i'm more than michael because michael makes he's like it's too serious turn it off like after a while mm-hmm. he he has to turn it off whereas i'm just like i could go all night more blood yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i i for me it's it's stupid video games I like candles now, and you like candles. Yeah, I like, like candles. do you look at the candle and then say like you know numyo holderengekyo? No, I like scents. I just like a oh. good, I like a I like a masculine scent, a tobacco, a cedar, a uh, 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 pine wood. <laughs> you put him on. I, I feel like Ellie puts him on with nipple clamps. <laughs> I'm not kidding. What would your aunt say? Brent, what would your aunt say about something she heard on today's podcast? I just Googled Michael Hoffman. You're a perv. <laughs> she, yeah, she Googled him. She's not going to yeah. find the porn star. I'm telling you, it's going to be like a podiatrist. Oh, no. If you Google Michael Hoffman, you find the porn star. Or Michael Hoffman XXX. Yeah, certainly that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, my Aunt Joanne would uh, probably just... Say something to me about having cake with fondant at my uh, invent- inevitable wedding. <laughs> uh, Alan, what about Aunt Anne? Aunt Anne would say, your Uncle Ray and I once did something that could have gotten us arrested. <laughs> In a park. <laughs> Thanks for listening. I'm Elliot Glazer. I'm Brent Sullivan. And I'm H. Alan Scott. Star Bands Audio, a podcast, <clears throat> a podcast network.